You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. How many of you were here last week when we started this new series, Don't Drink the Poison? Raise your hand if you were here last week. Awesome. Yeah, so this whole, this whole series, it's only three parts, but this whole series, Don't Drink the Poison, is about offense. Offense being the poison. What I love about this series is no matter where you're at in your walk in life, we right here on this topic, we're all on the same playing field. Every one of us in here has been offended. And if you haven't, just give me time. I'm certain by the end of this uh, morning, I will say something to offend you. Um, uh, uh, They record the services, so I just want to apologize to Pastor Stan beforehand for any emails he might get. So I looked up as I was preparing for this, don't drink the poison, talking about offense. I looked up a simple definition for offended, and this is what offended means. Resentful or annoyed typically as a result of perceived insult. I thought it was pretty curious that that word perceived is in there. Because if you're like me, there's been times that my feelings were hurt or I was offended by something. And when when I really got into it, what was said wasn't meant or it wasn't meant how I perceived it to be. And so this, this word is perceived insult. I want to rest there for a little bit because I think most of us have probably been offended from time to time and it wasn't meant as an offense. However, I also want to acknowledge that there's some in the room that you have legitimately been offended. Like there were some legit things that happened to you or done to you that brought about offense and hurt and pain. And and certainly we want to talk about those too. I love this quote. There is an epidemic spreading across the world and we are the carriers of the disease. How many of that's an encouragement already? We are the carrier. It's called offendinitis, a skin condition whereby the thickness of our skin melts away to the point where everything offends us. Symptoms may include hurt feelings, indignation, irritability, disappointment, grumpiness. I mean, this kind of describes me just before coffee. And, and an all-around allergic reaction to anyone who says or does something we don't like. Come on, let's, let's admit it, just, just for yourself. And you don't have to turn to your neighbor and acknowledge anything. But I think from time to time, we all find ourselves in this place. Maybe it is that there's just a lot going on in life, and, and so we're already kind of thin-skinned, and then somebody says something that might be just a little off-color, and we take offense to that. And not only do we take offense to that, like it creates this wound that really affects us for a long period of time. Offense is a wound we inflict on ourselves. Now, let me keep going into the message, because right away you're thinking, no, that's not true. I thought that's not true for a long time. I'm like, no, you inflicted this wound on me. Offense is a wound we inflict on ourselves. When you choose to live with the offense, you will suffer from the pain of that wound. I know that uh, there's some in this room that probably have, has lived for, uh, for a long time, years in fact, with still suffering from the pain of some wounds of offense, possibly from when you were a, a child or a young adult. You've been living this for years. Offense, if we, uh, if we allow it to, uh, will act, actually affect sometimes the rest of our lives if we don't really deal with it, right? When I was a, when I was a young adult, um, I know that I was out of high school. I, I, I got married early, so I know that I was married. But I was working for my dad, and my dad is a land surveyor. And so every morning we started out the same way. We would meet at the office. My dad would do devotions with the crew, uh, and then we would head out. And the first stop after uh, the office, when we left the office, was the 7-Eleven. Uh, I grew up in Florida, and so... We, so we would stop at the 7-Eleven, and almost every time we stopped, there were just a few things that I would get. Uh, it was either a chili dog or a pack of donuts, 
I'm not quite sure why the difference, but one day it might be a chili dog with cheese and, uh, and then the next day it might be donuts. But then I always accompany that with a, a little bottle of white milk, especially because of the chili, if you know what I'm talking about. So the white milk and this chili dog. However, there was one morning that we, uh, we did our usual routine. I, we go to the 7-Eleven. I go over to the cooler, and I get my little thing of white milk. And this is back when they were in cartons. They were in bottles and stuff like that. And, and same thing I used to always do is I would step in front of the counter, and as I'm waiting to be rung up, you know, I start drinking, I start drinking the milk. And I probably have half my uh, hot dog done before I get to the counter. Uh, but this particular morning, as I'm chugging this white milk, it was chunky. Yeah. It was chunky, and it's, uh, it's already trying to go down. However, it did not make its way down, uh, and I shared, I shared it with everybody that was standing around. To this day, this does have a point. You're like, man, this dude is sick. I wish he'd just sit down. <laughs> I will say this. I've, I've got about 35 minutes of material, but anytime you interact, you're like, yeah, that's good. I shave it off a minute. <laughs> so I share that story to say this. To this day... <laughs> To this day, and that happened, so I'm 48, or almost 48, and that, so that happened 20 plus years ago. Uh, I, to this day, I don't drink white milk. Weird, right? I mean, I, I drink chocolate milk. I'll put white milk in my coffee for sure, and white milk in cereal, but I will not drink milk uh, because of that memory. And I know it sounds strange. I don't think I'm quirky in a lot, well, maybe I'm a quirky in a lot of areas, but so I, to this day, I won't drink white milk. Offense can happen the same way in our lives. Where it, it might be something that happened years ago, but we still carry that memory, and we still carry the pain, and we still suffer from that, but we don't, we don't have to. I believe offense is a weapon the enemy uses to erode the healthy and spiritual connection we have with God and with others. That's why this topic is so important. It erodes the, the, the healthy relationships, the connections that we're designed to have with God and with others. God designed us to walk out this journey we call life with others. Offense causes distorted perspective of our journey and those we journey with. When we allow places of offense to grow in our lives, it can rob us of relationships, peace, quality of life, and the very plan God has for our lives. Listen, from my perspective, offense is a condition of the heart that is determined by the health of our minds. Offense is a choice. When someone verbally assaults me and slanders me or even physically harms me, I make the choice to allow offense to take up residence within my heart. I'm not saying your feelings won't get hurt. I mean, I think that's legit. Things happen all the time where we're legitimately hurt. I am saying that our response to that hurt should not come from a heart that has been poisoned by offense. Listen, if you're living with any offense in your heart, it will surface. Sometimes, somewhere, out of nowhere, the pain of that offense will surface. I read a meme just a few weeks ago, and it said something like this. Last night in the middle of the night, I got a foot cramp. And I immediately woke up and thought, is this how it all ends? Right? Well, if you're as old as I am or older, then you, you, you relate to that a little bit more. Like, out of nowhere in the middle of the night, you guys know what I'm talking about. You get that foot cramp, and all of a sudden, you're hobbling around the room. Like, just like this, just like this foot cramp that we think it's going to end it all, a fence can rise up out of nowhere. You can be having a pleasant day, and out of nowhere, the feeling or the hurt or the pain of an offense from yesterday, a week ago, months ago, or perhaps years ago, will come up and affect the relationships that you have and the connections you have with others. It really just kind of takes you off track, right? 
Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus chose to have dinner with the one who was about to betray him? We just took communion together. And as Jesus, in his own heart, was preparing for that meal, he was preparing knowing that he was going to have dinner with the one who was going to betray him. He knew what Judas was going to do, yet he still treated Judas as a friend. How many of us, if we'd have known that Judas was going to betray us and we had this dinner plan, like we'd begin to change the restaurant, the reservations for the restaurant. Uh, and, I, and I guess back then it was pigeon, messenger pigeon. Today we would send texts. But like you would send that text, the change of venue, out to everybody but Judas. Anybody in the room admit like they would do something like that? I'm the only one. So Aaron, you're going to have to come up at the end and do the altar call because I'm the only one that's going to need to be up here, right? We all kind of have those kind of, you avoid people if you see them. We even do it at church. Come on, we do it at church. We'll see the person that says something uh, last week and like, and we'll just kind of turn and, and walk the other way or at work, the same thing. We will make sure we're not taking the same lunch break as the one who hurt our feelings or offended us. And right, we're all there. We all wrestle with that part of humanity. This morning, we're going to look at the story of Joseph. We're probably familiar with that, but we're going to read through the beginning portion of that story. He certainly could have done some things differently, but he had a legit reason to be offended. However, in the end, he chose not to be. So let's read this, Genesis 37, 1 through 11. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation, so it'll be on the screen for you, uh, so you can follow right along with me. And here's how it's. Stated. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. How many of y'all had that sibling? Verse 3, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word about him. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. And we know why. Let's listen to the dream. He said, we were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. So even in this short part of the story, you see how this hatred is growing. Like first they just can't say nice things about him and and then it grows into this hatred and just keeps growing. Verse 9, soon Joseph had another dream and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Of course, we know the end of the story, and we'll get to just a portion of that at the end. But here's Joseph, and, and, and maybe they have some, uh, some 
being naive or just being young. He's sharing these stories with older siblings, which probably isn't the smartest thing that's, that's happening. But we see the offense growing from just not being able to say something nice to actually growing into a, a hatred. Within Joseph's story, there is opportunity for offense because of family dysfunction and Joseph's immaturity. But like every situation, we get to choose whether we feed the offense. Let's watch this video. What you do not smell is called Iocane powder. It is odorless, tasteless, dissolves instantly in liquid, and is among the more deadly poisons known to man. Where is the poison? The battle of wits has begun. It ends when you decide and we both drink and find out who is right and who is dead. But it's so simple. All I have to do is divine from what I know of you. Are you the sort of man who would put the poison into his own goblet or his enemies? Now, a clever man would put the poison into his own goblet because he would know that only a great fool would reach for what he was given. I'm not a great fool, so I can clearly not choose the wine in front of you. But you must have known I was not a great fool. You would have counted on it, so I can clearly not choose the wine in front of me. You've made your decision then? <laughs> not remotely, because Iocane comes from Australia, as everyone knows. And Australia is entirely peopled with criminals. And criminals are used to having people not trust them, as you are not trusted by me, so I can clearly not choose the wine in front of you. Truly, you have a dizzying intellect. Wait till I get going! Where was I? Australia. Yes, Australia. And you must have suspected I would have known the powder's origin, so I can clearly not choose the wine in front of me. You're just stalling now. You'd like to think that, wouldn't you? You've beaten my giant, which means you're exceptionally strong. So you could have put the poison in your own goblet, trusting on your strength to save you, so I can clearly not choose the wine in front of you. But you've also bested my Spaniard, which means you must have studied. And in studying, you must have learned that man is mortal, so you would have put the poison as far from yourself as possible, so I can clearly not choose the wine in front of me. You're trying to trick me into giving away something. It won't work. It has worked. You've given everything away. I know where the poison is. Then make your choice. I will, and I choose. What in the world can that be? What? Where? I don't see anything. Oh, well, I... I could have sworn I saw something. I thought, no matter. <laughs> What's so funny? I'll, I'll tell you in a minute. First, let's drink. Me from my glass and you from yours. <laughs> you guessed wrong. You only think I guessed wrong. That's what's so funny. I switched glasses when your back was turned. Ha <laughs> ha, you fool. You fell victim to one of the classic blunders. The most famous is never get involved in a land war in Asia. But only slightly less well known is this. Never go in against a Sicilian when death is on the line. <laughs> Who are you? I'm no one to be trifled with. That is all you ever need know. 
think. All that time it was Shawcut that was poisoned. They were both poisoned. I spent the last few years building up an immunity to Iocane powder. How many of you are familiar with that movie, just so I know who I'm dealing with? Okay, so just a few of you, just a few of you. Sometimes that tells us our age when, we, uh, when we've seen some of these movies. So the, the last line that he says that he's developed an immunity to the poison is critical for us. For me, that immunity is developed as offense comes to us and we deal with that in the way that Jesus wants us to deal with moment by moment by moment. There's a, a book that I read a while back called The Battlefield of the Mind, and it talks about the importance of our mind and all the thoughts that we have there. In fact, the Bible says that we're supposed to take every thought captive. Listen, that's how we build up immunity. One, we can recognize some of the ways that we may not have dealt with offense well, but then begin to change the patterns of our life so that we, we begin to deal with it well. In other words, every time some, something comes at me or someone comes at me to offend, the hurt, the wound, and uh, the pain isn't caused, and I can respond in the way that God wants me to respond. We'll face many challenges and conflicts in life that could cause offense. Unlike the clip, it's, it's not so humorous. However, like the clip, offense can be just as deadly unless we learn to become immune. So what happens when we drink the poison? We're going to go through four points that very clearly shows us what happens in our lives when we choose, when we choose to drink the poison of offense. The first is this. Living with an offense breaks down relationships. We see that happening in the story, specifically in, in Genesis 37.4. We begin to see the relationship that Joseph has with his brothers being torn apart because the offense that his brothers carried. In fact, we even see it somewhat affect his relationship with his father at the end of the section that I read. In Joseph's story, it says his brothers hated him and they couldn't say a kind word about him. Look what Proverbs 18:19 says. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Listen, I, I, I think, I think, I'll just speak for myself. I can certainly look back uh, into, my, into my childhood and into my young adult life and, uh, and even recently a few years ago, some of the things that I faced and, and how I responded to offense, how I responded to uh, the hurt and pain that I allowed the offense to have in my life. But look at this. It says an offended friend is harder to win back. I mean, the Bible itself is telling us what happens in our life when we struggle with offense, Right? If we're honest, most of us would say that at some point, pride, ego, or feelings were more important than our relationships. Why do I say that? I say that because we, we chose to let offense separate the relationship we had with somebody else. In fact, some of you are thinking of very specific people right now, even as I mention that. Friends from two years ago or three years ago or maybe even 10 years ago. Friendships you had that ended because one or both of you might have been offended. Do you have a friend you barely or never speak to because they offended you? Have you gone hours or possibly even a day or, or more uh, without speaking to your spouse because they offended you? None of you, I am sure, have ever left the church because somebody did or failed to do something and it offended you. So again, going back to what I said in the very beginning, we're all in the same field because we all struggle with this aspect of offense, being offended, and how we walk in that offense. So the first one was living with offense breaks down relationships. 
The second point is this. When places of offense are not addressed, it feeds animosity. We, we see that again growing in this story in, in Genesis 37, 8. From not speaking nicely about their brother to hating their brother, right? As the story goes, the more Joseph shared, the more his brothers hated him. The animosity his brothers had just kept growing. Have you ever been around someone who had a negative attitude about everything? The more they spoke about a situation or person, the more negativity they demonstrated. Maybe you found yourself in that place, just getting worked up. And the more you, more you talked about something, the more angry you became about it, or the more frustrated you came about it. Look, this is the same with offense. Because when we don't take care of what's happening in our hearts or in, in our minds, it just begins to build and build and build. Here's the thing about not taking care of any places of offense. The feelings of frustration, anger, animosity just continue to increase. Listen, those feelings don't just go away. So here's another point I want us to be aware of. People who have offended us may never ask for forgiveness or apologize. You have people in your life that have offended you legit, legitly, legitimately, legitly. Legit, legitimately hurts you. Thanks, Kurt. Thanks for that. Legitimately hurts you, right? And they've never come back and asked for forgiveness. And you've even had friends and maybe relatives that said, look, you just got to get over this. And you said, I will when they say they're sorry. Or how about between a marriage? Because this happens so often. I've, I've been married for almost 29 years. And there's so many times where I'm tempted, well, I'm going to repair the relationship as soon as she says she's sorry. And she's probably said the same thing about me, right? But listen, our choice is our choice to forgive or we stay bound. That's the, that's the choices. I found this quote, life becomes a whole lot easier when you learn to accept an apology you never got. Listen, that's allowing Jesus to transform our hearts when we begin to forgive people even before they've asked for forgiveness. So let's establish that before we move on. We have the ability to forgive someone even if they don't ask for forgiveness. When places of offense are not addressed, it feeds animosity. The third thing is this. Offense is transferable from one person to another. We see this in Genesis 37 verse 4 and verse 8. Uh, just a few weeks ago, I mean, I don't think it's any surprise over the past year, the church, not just Grace, but the church as a whole, man, we've gone through so much. Now, I specifically think of Grace because that's the family that I'm involved with, uh, but we've gone through so much and there's been so many different things coming at us from so many different angles. Some people were offended because we were wearing masks. Some people were offended because we weren't wearing masks, right? There was all this stuff that some people are offended about vaccinations and some people are like, I'm never going to get a vaccination. And I mean, all this stuff that we have, the, the, the ability or a chance to be offended by. I was uh, reading an email. Another pastor came to me and they, they were asking for some advice on how to respond. And, and as I began to read this email, it wasn't really a surprise to me because I've seen these emails before. I, I actually planted a church and was a lead pastor in Virginia for uh, 12 years. And so I got these emails all the time. And as I'm reading through this, I'm thinking, man, this, this person is really hurt. Like they are really, really offended and, and, and the negativity that they were saying and some of the things, I mean, they were even targeted. Some of the things being spoken were even targeted towards certain people. And as I'm reading through this pretty lengthy email, it gets down to the end and the person reveals like, yeah, I didn't even really think this way until so-and-so said something or somebody else came to be. It's so like, it ended up being like this whole email that was written really was the offense of others coming to them. 
right? Because that happens. This person had, had now become offended, not because of something that they felt originally, but because everybody that was offended came to them and they just, they took on that offense. Man, if we're not careful, that happens in our life, right? And it happens, it happens pretty quickly. How many of you have ever been, think back to high school, some of you, some of you may not be able to, I can barely think back to high school, but have you ever had, you remember those times where a friend came up to you and they were upset because, you know, so-and-so said this and that, like all of a sudden, like you were around, like, come on, let's go get them, like you were, you were ready, I mean, it wasn't even you that was offended, but something inside you was like, we gotta go and, we gotta go and get them. Listen, that's the thing about offense, it's transferable if we're not careful. We feed off the emotions. We feed off the hurt and the pain of others. Listen, we're not designed to take on anybody else's burden. Jesus was, and he did. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. I'm not saying we we shouldn't speak up for those who may not have a voice. I'm not saying that at all. But this whole process or aspect of taking on the offense of others and and our heart begins to, to change or right? Not only should we take on, not only should we not take on the offense of others, Matthew 5, 9 says this, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. That's the choice we have to make when others come to us with an offense, and they will. We can begin to right away rely on the Holy Spirit to give us the words to speak and the way to minister peace, not just to them, but possibly to the relationship that's being torn apart because of the offense. Let's look at the fourth thing. Unaddressed offense can allow toxic thoughts to grow, leading us to ungodly actions. Genesis uh, 37, 19 and 20, which wasn't a part of the original passage we read, says this. Here comes the dreamer. This is towards the, towards the end of uh, Joseph's time with his brothers. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. So we can see what the offense is happening in their lives, right? From not being able to say anything nice to hating him to the hatred growing. And now them saying, let's just let's just." Kill him. Matthew 15, 18 says this. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. Proverbs 4, 23 says this. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Listen, if we're not taking care of offense in our own lives, it will produce ungodly actions within us. If we're not allowing God to heal our hearts from the offense, these things will happen. We just read it that my heart is what actually guides the direction of my life, and it certainly produces words from my mouth. We cannot let offense take root in our hearts. The whole series is we can't drink the poison. There's going to be opportunity for you to be offended even this afternoon and tomorrow and when you return back to work, and we can't drink the poison. Now we go towards the end of the the story in Genesis 50, verses 19 through 21. It says this, But Joseph said to them, being his brothers, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly 
to them. So Joseph, with all the opportunity in the world to be offended and hurt and live with that pain, at the end of his story, he lives with love and grace and mercy and forgiveness for his brothers. Joseph had the authority and the means to enact revenge on his brothers. In my humanity, I think that they were probably due some pretty harsh treatment. But Joseph made a much better choice. He didn't drink the poison. In fact, he chose to pour the poison out by showing love for his brothers. So as we begin to close, let's talk about how we can respond and what happens in our life when we choose to pour the poison out. And I'm saying this happens in the moment. We need to learn to allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in our life where we're taking care of this in the moment of offense. The first thing is this. It frees you from bitterness and the need for revenge. The second thing is, and I'm going to come back to the second point, but the second thing is this. God will forgive you and heal your heart. The third point, it positions you to be a blessing to others. We can't be a blessing if we're living with offense, right? And the fourth thing is this, it opens your life to God's work and God's plan. So let's go back to the second point to say God will forgive you and heal your heart because I think forgiveness is an extremely, extremely important topic to study, word to study, and what, what happens through forgiveness. Because some of you probably here this morning, you've had conversations with God over and over and over about some hurts that you have from the past. Whether it be a distant past or a recent past, you have some hurt there. And some of it might be legit. And you've asked God to heal you. And when you're not experiencing that healing, you're going back to him time and time again with the same question. Well, he reveals to us how we experience healing here in Matthew 6, verses 14 to 15. Listen to this. It says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And this is an incredible verse when it comes to this this topic of offense, when, when people have offended us and hurt us. We go back to you don't have to choose to forgive only when forgiveness is being asked for. We can choose to forgive even when it's not. And the critical aspect of this verse is, is when I'm living with this unforgiveness, so I'm holding offense and I'm choosing not to forgive you. That hinders my relationship with the Father. Not only does it sever my relationship with the person who offended me, it's hurting my relationship with the Father. Listen, God never looks on me any differently than the moment he looked on me when he sent Jesus to die for me. Like, God loves us, and he never loves us less, and he never thinks of us less. But when we're living with offense in our lives, and and we don't have that healed, it hinders our relationship with him. Why? Because it changes my perception of him. And God wants to, to heal that in our hearts and our lives. I don't think there's any more important time in our history That we would choose to just not be offended, to not drink the poison. Why? Because the healing that our nation desperately needs comes from us, the church. And we can't minister healing if we ourselves are walking with these open wounds of offense. So we've got to take these steps to say, and you know what? One, Holy Spirit, maybe maybe I I need you to reveal even some people that that I don't remember, some offense that I don't remember. You may not remember all the details. For me, I can tell you as a, as a young adult, and this probably happened about 15 years ago, 
My biological father left me before I turned one years old, left me, my sister, and my mom. And so I, I, I don't know really anything about him. It was actually just a few years ago that I saw a picture of him for the first time. My sister, who is also his daughter, uh, found him on Facebook. We were going through some health situations with my dad who, who raised me, the guy that I called dad. And so me and my sister started to think, well, what's in our health history? So anyways, from that, starting that search, but it was incredible to, to experience some healing that I, of wounds I didn't know I had about 15 years ago. I was actually with my son going through some counseling for him and the counselor was kind of walking me through some same practices and it just opened up this wound I didn't know I had about my biological father. I mean, I don't, I don't know him. I mean, I don't, I don't remember. Like, I have no memory of the hurt. I don't, I don't have a memory of him leaving. I just have the knowledge of that. But that was enough to create some wounds of offense in my life that weren't healed until just about 15 years ago. So I lived with that. And it caused all sorts of things in my life. So I'm saying we can ask the Holy Spirit this morning to reveal to us the wounds of offense that we're carrying that we should not be carrying. Let the Holy Spirit, let God heal us so that we can be a healing for others. We can bring peace to those around us who, who may also be walking with these wounds. In fact, Romans 12, 18, I'll end with this verse, says this. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I don't think we are, are just living at peace with ourselves. We're living at peace with those around us. We're bringing healing and restoration and reconciliation with those around us. Let's close our eyes. I really wish I would have had the opportunity just to sit in small groups and have conversations about this topic because I think it lends to that. Like we begin to, to talk out things that we've experienced in our own lives. And, and I would say, you know, find a, a Christian brother or a sister that you trust over the next few days, especially if this, is, this message is kind of tugging on your spirit, and just begin to have a conversation with them, and let's see what the Holy Spirit reveals. But this I do know. Each one of us have an opportunity in these next few moments as I pray to kind of hand those wounds, the offense, to God, and we can walk away from here being restored and healed. God, I thank you so much for who you are, and man, I thank you so much for how much you care about us. God, I, I, I know because of your character and your love for us that man, you don't want us walking through this life and with pain and hurts and, and the wounds of offense. And Lord, even as I was preparing for this, the reality of me being healed really isn't all just about me. <laughs> it's about me being healed so that I can minister to healing to those around me, to, to my community. Lord, everyone in this room would say that our nation needs to experience your healing. Help us all to settle in the place of realizing that that healing comes through your church, your people, your children. And that's us. So God, I pray right now, even as the Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit is, is bringing to mind some of the wounds of offense in the lives of those who are here, God, in that same moment, I pray that you would, you would uh, minister healing to them. Lord, I pray in the same moment that they would remember something, that healing would be attached to that memory. I pray that you would take us from this place restored and healed so that we can bring that to our community, our nation, those right around us. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.